There's a phrase that gets used sometimes in church when people talk about what they think of a church, how they assess it. And the phrase they talk about is whether or not they are being fed. Thank you, thank you. Often they talk about this when they don't feel they're getting out of church what they expect, what they would like. They have a sense of what they want church to provide them with. Usually it's a criticism and it often boils down to whether or not they feel they're learning enough new information. And then if you're cynical, sometimes it seems to be about whether or not they feel that church is entertaining them enough. But it does raise an interesting question about what is it? Where is it we find our spiritual nourishment? Where do we find the stuff we need, the resources we need to grow? or to give us enough energy for the discipleship journey that God is calling us on. One, two, three. experience it seems that people lean towards one of two different ways about how they get that energy to live the life God has for them. You could call them the fish and chips. There's one group of people, the chips, who love input. They want great teaching, they want fantastic worship experiences, they want to be prayed for, they like conferences, they like those gatherings when they're with other people, other Christians, and they're receiving input. And then the fish group are the people who are activists. They want to get out there and want to start doing good things, important things and getting on with them. But we see that Jesus tackles these two when they get to extremes. He says to teachers of the law, he says, you bury your heads in the book searching for eternal life and yet you miss me and I'm standing right in front of you. And he says to this other group, when people come to him and say, God, we've done all these amazing things for you. We've cast out demons, we've healed the sick. He'll say, I never even knew you. So what is the answer? If it's not fish or chips, where do we get our spiritual nourishment? Where do we get our food to live the life God has for us? Well, Jesus tells us this in John 4. And there's a passage. So Jesus has been meeting, waiting for his disciples. His disciples have gone off to get food in a Samaritan village. And Jesus has been waiting and he's had a conversation with a Samaritan woman. And we'll join this when the disciples come back. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. 
Jesus talks there about his food, his nourishment, is to know what God's will is and to do it. And I'm not sure when people talk about whether they are being fed in church or not, or whether we lean towards worship, prayer, teaching, or activism and ministry, I'm not sure either of those necessarily capture what Jesus is saying to know God's will, to know who God is and what he wants to do, and then to do it. This is the way we grow. this idea fascinating of what it is to grow and this idea that if we can know God's will and act upon it we will find ourselves growing and I don't know if there can be anything more exciting than that sense of God being involved in our lives and us doing things because of God's involvement. To be growing is about movement, it's about expanding, it's a plant getting taller so it's nearer to the sun. It's a child getting bigger and bigger and moving around. That is the life God has for us. Jesus says, I've come so that you can have life and have it in all fullness. And what we wanna do with our discipleship groups is have a place where we can discern, this is what God wants me to do. This is his will. This is his nudge, his prompt, his word for me in whatever it is, big or small, and then act upon it. And I think it's in this way that we are going to discover our lives are growing. Without that, I think we end up living a default life. So imagine this plate is your default life. A default life is the life you do that is the line of least resistance. It's the things you have to do, otherwise you will get moaned at, or you will get in trouble, or you will end up not having something and it's the things that you enjoy doing because they bring pleasure to you so we go to work because otherwise we can't pay for the rent and our food and we watch tv because we enjoy doing it and we have this hobby or things like that and we have to do this job for somebody else this task these things this is our default life and we tend to, without thinking, live in default mode. We are doing those things. And I think you can go a whole lifetime just living in that default mode. And one thing I think that happens is when we just live in default, our life tends to shrink. This plate would get smaller and smaller because there are things that when we don't have to do them, we just stop doing and we lose that. Well, if God wants us to have life in all fullness, our plate's gonna get bigger. And I think there are things that God wants to take us to that would take us outside of the plate. But we wouldn't do it by choice, either because it's something we wouldn't want to do, it's difficult, or because it's something we would want to do, but we never kind of quite pluck up the courage or the energy to do it. 
One thing I think God wants to do with us is show us his will, which will take us outside of our default life. It might be something that's difficult. It might be a conversation that's going to be difficult to resolve an issue or to bring reconciliation. It might be to invite someone out for something, but there's a possibility of rejection. It might be to make a change to your personal life or a discipline to do something you would rather not do. Or similarly, it can be good stuff that you never get around to. It might be to pursue a hobby that you've never really found the time for, you've never prioritised, or to invest in a relationship that you know you should do, but you've just always had other things get in the way. In discipleship groups, we are opening our lives to God and we are saying, I want to know your will and I want to do it. And in that, we start to move. And because we're in a group with other people, these things that are outside that we might not do if we have an escape route, we know that someone's going to ask us, how did you get on? And that is really helpful. Over these six weeks, this is our second session, we are thinking about this idea of discipleship groups, a small group, a small community of people, three, four, five people, who together you're working out the individual unique will that God has for you, the next step he has for you that will lead you towards the edge and out of your default life. And then we are encouraging one another to do it. And then we are celebrating when things happen. We don't know what will happen if we step out of our default life over here and then where that might lead us, where the next step might be or the next step. But what we do know is that God wants us to grow. He doesn't want us to live small lives. It tells us in the Bible that we're supposed to live a life or the life he has for us is a life worthy of Jesus to live. In your house, in your job, with your family, with your friends, a life worthy of Jesus. And that is the discipleship pursuit, to become that person. And I think these groups are gonna be really helpful. So let's pray. God, we wanna be fed with the true food of knowing your will and doing it. We wanna see our lives expand because we have this resource, this energy, this sustenance that comes from you and your Holy Spirit at work in us. Lord, help us even now start to think, what is your will for me this coming week? What could I do? What would you have me do so that my life might expand, that I might discover you in that new places and take your kingdom to that new place with me? In Jesus' name, amen. fish and chips. <laughs> I just break my eye.